Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm feeling great, thanks. How about you? You feeling happy? A little angry? People have so many feelings, millions of them. But what if businesses could really understand all of those feelings and then act on them to make their customers feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP experience management and it's here. Because the future of business has feelings. And I've got a feeling we're all going to like it. Go to sap.com slash xm to learn more. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast. Uh, we recorded Sunday, and in the last 48 hours, the NBA has gone to hell. So we are going to talk about a lot today, including the latest trade rumors for Paul George, Jimmy Butler, and surprisingly, Kristaps Porzingis. We're also going to evaluate what in God's name the Cleveland Cavaliers are doing. Before we get into all of that, just a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes. We'd love it if you subscribed, downloaded, left some reviews. Any feedback would be great. And you can find us this year on FanRag Sports. So follow them on Twitter, at FanRag Sports, and for their NBA content, at FanRagNBA. With the draft coming up Thursday, we've got a lot of draft coverage coming out over the next couple days. Also, free agency is just around the corner, so plenty of good stuff going on, even though the season is technically over. With all of that said, I'm joined today as Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. As always, by my two co-hosts, Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, you two? It's going well, Brian, because Sarah apparently defeated James Hollis in returning as co-host. <laughs> yes, welcome back, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> C- congrats on staving off James, at least for, for now. Um, we also yeah. have a special guest today. We have the NBA content manager of FanRag Sports, Jason Pat. Jay, how's it going? I am doing well. It's uh Getting, trying to keep up with all this craziness that's going on. Yeah, for real. I was buying a white uh, car with my wife today, and I was just like following along on Twitter as that process was taking five hours, and it just seems like the NBA is in total meltdown. So I'm excited to talk about all of that. Before we do, Jay, uh, let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter and then where they can find your work as well. So you can find me on Twitter, Bulls uh, underscore J. And then I am the content manager of FanRag Sports, head up the NBA stuff, so obviously this is a great time of year, super busy, dealing with all this madness. And you could also I also do some bull stuff at bloggable.com, but mostly, like I said, to deal with the whole NBA, FanRag.com, FanRag NBA, so I'm ready to ready to hit it with all these these rumor talk. Yeah, let's so <laughs> let's start. I mean, we recorded uh, with James on Sunday to talk about the Markel Fultz trade. I feel like the minute we stopped recording, Adrian Wojnarowski drops the first of many Woj bombs this week. He reports that Paul George has officially informed the Indiana Pacers that he has no interest in re-signing with them after 2018. 
at this point, it sounds like plenty of suitors are coming out of the woodwork for him. Uh, there have been reports, basically, that Indiana is trying to get this done sooner rather than later. Um, so, Jay, I'm going to ask you first, do you think the Pacers need to trade him either this offseason or even by the draft? I would say they probably should just move quickly on this. I mean, I don't really see the point of waiting. I guess as the closer they get to the offseason, his value is just going to keep getting lower. So you might as well. And it's obviously there's plenty of teams that are going to be interested in him, so you might as well trade him now. You can get something good. They don't have that much leverage. I guess the, all the interest, interest from these other teams should help with some leverage, but when he's basically telling you that I'm, I'm leaving, I'm not going to stay there anymore, I think you just got to make the move now. You have to take the best deal you can get and hope that and to go into rebuild mode and uh, play Lance Stevenson at point guard. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> we should note, uh, who was it? Greg Doyle, I think, from the Indianapolis Star had that report that they are toying with the idea as point guard Lance, which should be... All sorts of fun. So even if they trade Paul George, the Pacers will still be a league pass team next year just for that. Um, Sarah, I want to ask you, so, you know, the the Lakers have been his reported preferred destination for months now. Woj mentioned it Sunday. I feel like Sam Amick of USA Today was the one who started hammering this home in February. Um, If you're the Lakers, Sarah, do you trade anything for him now when you know he hopes to sign with you as a free agent in 2018? Or do you just wait him out and say, you know, Indiana, you can trade him wherever you want. We don't really care because we think he's coming home next summer and we're not going to give up anything of value for him now. It really just depends. Honestly, I wouldn't be opposed to a trade um, because you get him. You get him one year sooner. You get to get him in there with your young guys. It, it really just depends. And then he's locked in. Uh, well, not locked in, but you can start working on an extension or whatever. Um I know that you floated this trade idea on B-Ball Breakdown, uh, Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, and the number 28 pick. Honestly, I kind of like I like that for Indiana. I don't think that it's giving up too much for the Lakers either. Um, so I'd be cool with that. <laughs> what we've talked about before, it, it stakes their, their deals that they gave to Lou Aldang and uh, Timofey Mozgov. <laughs> <laughs> so there's really, there's really no way around that. Um, you know, you could try to throw that in, but I don't think the Pacers are going to go for it. So what I want to ask y'all, though, is, like, where would you most like to see him end up? Obviously, he prefers the Lakers, and that's out there. Um, but Jesus Gomez uh, floated an idea for the Jazz. Uh, mm-hmm. Derek Favors, Alec Burks, and then a couple of draft picks. To me, I would love to see him there. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that would be beautiful, and I'd love to see Jimmy Butler end up with the Wolves, but we can go there later. Ooh. But, like, those two moves, to me, mm. of course it makes the West even more of a bear, but <laughs> but I would love some more uh, competition for the Warriors, so I would like to see that, personally. Yeah. Mm. Mort, I was going to ask you which other team should go after him, so go, let's just respond to Sarah's question oh. right now. That is an excellent idea. Like Utah with a, an all-around small forward slash power forward because George can play both next to Gordon Hayward who can slide between the two and the three. And then if you keep George Hill going and you have Rudy Gobert protecting the rim, God, I love that lineup for defensive issues. And then offensively speaking, I kind of dig it as well. Like you would take a lot of pressure off 
Hayward and Hay Hayward himself would take a lot of pressure off of George as well. That would be a very effective scoring duo there at the forward spots. I'm digging that one, Sarah. That's a good one. I didn't see mm -hmm. that one. I like it. It's under the radar, and it's still really, really intriguing. Like, Utah is one of those teams that we all like. So why not look mm -hmm. to them to make them a little bit better? Yeah. No, definitely. That's a wonderful one. And that one, I mean, if, you know, we constructed these trades for b-ball breakdown, none of us have insight into a, the actual trade negotiations, we should note. So, you know, I've seen the Clarkson Randall 28 thing floated elsewhere as well mm -hmm. ever since I wrote that. But I, you know, I haven't seen the exact parameters of a concrete rumored Utah deal. But if they were to take, you know, if, if they would do favors, Burks, and a couple, it was like a lottery protected pick and some other... I forget what else, but some Jazz sort of protected is 24th picks. overall this year, and mm -hmm. Thunder's lottery protected 2018 pick. That's okay. what it was. Yeah, like, I, that's a pretty good value for, you know, I mean, you're not going to get fair value for Paul George right now. I think that's the thing that's worth just hammering home repeatedly because he yeah. has ru ruined, you know, I, in, a, in a way he did the Pacers a favor because he's, like, not going to leave them empty-handed like Kevin Durant did to OKC last summer, so that's great. Like, selling him for 40 cents on the dollar is better than getting zero cents on the dollar, but that said, you're not going to get equal value in return for him, so like, none of the deals that are being floated out are going to sound all that great for a player of George's caliber, but, you know, Favors, if he can get over his injuries, he's at least intriguing. He'd be fun next to Miles Turner. Alec Burks, Again, injuries are the big concern, but he has promise, and he's pretty young still. And then two picks, like, yeah, that's that's a good one. Uh, Jay, who who would you like to see go after Paul George? Uh, first of all, it looks like Stein just tweeted out some teams that have talked to them. Mm. So we have Clippers, Rockets, Wizards, Cavs, obviously, and then Lakers. Uh, another team I was thinking of that I think I've seen people have mentioned is the Blazers could be kind mm -hmm. of interesting. They have a ton of first-round picks. And if, mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, obviously it's tough because this is, would probably be a rental, but if they have contracts that they could match back and if they toss in a few picks. And you, one year of, if anything, of George, Dame, McCollum, and Nurkic, that'd be a pretty fun team to challenge out there in the West. I, I do agree with the Jazz one. That'd be really fun if they do keep Hayward and they're able to keep that group together and adding George to that would be a really good team. These other, these other teams, uh, I mean, the Rockets with Harden, I guess that'd be fun. I mean, the Wizards, I'm not really sure what the Wizards have to offer. Do they have any extra first-rounders or any anything at all that would be that interesting? Like, would no, try to trade, no, like, really. Kelly Oubre? Mm. I, I, don't, yeah, I really don't see what they would really offer. And I guess the Rockets... I don't know what they really have to offer that much either. Clippers, obviously, the Clippers, I feel like, are always in on these on these conversations. <laughs> I know there was uh, Sean Devaney or whatever had the thing about a possible sign and trade. Mm -hmm. Like if if they if the trade didn't happen like now before the draft, I don't know. That seems like a long shot, anyways. But yeah, I mean, I think ultimately it'll probably come down to. It seems like he's going to go to the Lakers, and when you were talking about what they should give up. I think with that, what you guys have saying it makes sense. I would assume that they that number two Russell and Ingram are probably off the table because mm -hmm. why would you trade those kind of studs when you could possibly sign him next summer? I get wanting to get him now and worrying about him going somewhere good and him deciding to stay, but I don't know. I feel like 
if he's especially, I mean, like I said, we we're not privy to all these conversations. Like, I mean, Paul George's camp could be telling them, "Who, no matter where we go, we're coming to you next year." So, and that if that's the case, Russell. I mean, like, I mean, Randall. I mean, I know he's getting shredded this off season, but he still hasn't shown <laughs> that. I know he's not shown that he hasn't shown that much as a player. Clarkson that is coming off a down year. If you can do that, and then that, that later first rounder, I mean, I think that'd be a great deal. Yeah, I'd be willing to give up those parts to add George to Ingram, Russell the number two pick, and Zubach, or however you say his name, that'd be, and Larry Nance, that'd be, I think that'd be good. Yeah, and I mean, it's worth noting, you know, they could send him next summer, but if they trade for him, they get his bird rights, they can accept right. the cap yeah. to re-sign him, so there is value beyond just, like, having him there instead of, like, on Cleveland and having him fall in love with Cleveland and then not want to <laughs> leave next year. Uh, yeah, So there is value there. Two notes that I want to bring up. Uh, one... Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report has been hammering this home lately. On the Randall note in particular, apparently he shares an agent with Paul George, so that's just another factor to keep in mind when we're, when we're concocting these fake deals. Like, <laughs> that might influence whether the Lakers are going, you know, maybe he wants to stay, maybe the agent wants all three of them to stay uh, together because Russell also shares the same agent. But two... Uh, both Kevin Ding of Bleacher Report and apparently Kevin Arnovitz of ESPN yesterday. Um, Kevin Ding had a story about, uh, you know, the Lakers are playing on drafting Lonzo Ball in all likelihood, but they're also eyeing Paul George and LeBron James. And he mentioned in, in regard to both Russell and Randall, you know, they've, <laughs> they are, the Lakers are still high on both of them, but they're also kind of disappointed in them. Uh, especially, apparently, Russell, he said just wasn't as professional as they hoped and then randall like didn't take well to criticism if it was delivered harshly um arnovitz apparently i haven't listened to the full low post podcast yet but he apparently said something along those same lines and then late last night chad ford of espn had a report that they were that they're reportedly shopping d'angelo russell for a top 12 pick so while i agree that i wouldn't trade Russell for George, uh, you know, if he's, you know, because he's very likely to come over. Um, it does seem like the Lakers might be lower on him than the at the consensus outside of L.A. So it's just something to keep in mind. Um, you know, Jay, you mentioned the Blazers. I love, 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 love them. And they have so many bad contracts they could get rid of. Oh, like, God, yeah. I think... Uh, who was it, Sarah? Was it Brandon Jefferson who had the fake Blazers trade in that B-Ball Bakedown piece? And it was like, I think he did Alan Crabb and then all three of their first-round picks this year for George, which is, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. It's not... Yeah. It, it's not horrible value at all. Right. No. Like, yeah. I mean, the, the we've talked in recent weeks about this draft class and how it's kind of a crapshoot after that first 12 or so. It's loaded with a lot of big guys, but like... You know, maybe you take a Justin Patton and a Terrence Ferguson and a OG, and then you got a pretty interesting young core next to Miles Turner and Krabs. So I think, you know, while the Pacers are in trouble in terms of getting superstar caliber return, like they're not going to get an Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love type deal, if they move quickly, they should be able to get something of value. They're going to be rebuilding. They're going to miss the playoffs next year, but... They're not necessarily going to be so screwed that they're, you know, the <laughs> the post Dwight Howard magic or like the current Brooklyn Nets, basically. 
think from the Blazers' point of view too, like okay, yeah, like giving up three firsts like doesn't seem ideal, but I mean, what you give up three late first rounders and whatever a bad contract for a chance at, for one year of Paul, even if it's only one year of Paul George, that'd be an awesome year probably. And if he leaves, I mean, like, you still have Dame and CJ, so it's I'm really not sure. What, and probably Nurk, hopefully long term. Like, so I don't think they'd really be giving up that much. Like, obviously losing assets like that for a rental isn't great, but. For a team like Portland, I feel like that, I feel like it'd be worth it. Right, yeah. I mean, none of those... A, they don't have the roster spots for all three of those first-round yeah. picks anyway, so if they keep yeah. all three, one's going to be a draft and stash. And B, like, you need to get out of the salary cap hell you put yourself in last summer. So, Crab is probably the most promising of their non-Dame and CJ and Nurkic guys, but if it takes oh, that yeah. to get Paul George and then... Even if there is a 1% chance he re-signs, like maybe he falls in love with playing next to Damon, CJ, and Nurkic. It's, you know, we don't know. It seems like he really wants to go back to L.A., but if the Lakers really suck this year, maybe he sees like, hey, Portland, you know, I can sign like a two- or three-year deal next summer, stay here through my prime, and then I'll go back to L.A. with LeBron in my late 30s. Yep, yeah, agreed. And Portland is closer to home, I mean, than Indiana is. Yeah, right. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, oftentimes when we have NBA players who want to go home, like, they would settle for a team that's just close by. Right. We've seen that before. I mean, I, I'm not saying that Portland and Los Angeles are like next-door neighbors or anything. I, I get there's still a bit of <laughs> distance, but it's not Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's why Derrick Rose is going to be a pacer this summer. I don't know. Oh my! <laughs> oh uh, my! <laughs> all right, let's go to Jimmy Butler. Jay, you are a Bulls guy. Oh, the Jimmy Butler rumors. I feel like this has just been a fixture of draft week for the last couple of years now. So naturally, on Monday they started again, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of the Vertical. Minnesota has interest and has made preliminary contact already with the Bulls. Uh, <laughs> Before David Griffin unceremoniously left, apparently the Cavs were trying to assemble a multi-team deal for Jimmy. Uh, KC Johnson of the Chicago Tribune mentioned the Suns as a possible third team. So, Jay, do you think Jimmy Butler is a Chicago Bull come Friday morning? I feel like I still think that he will be. I mean, the Bulls, they, they've wanted not to rebuild. And I've gone like back and forth on this just because... I'm a big Jimmy fan, but they're in such a just shitty spot with their team. And me and me and or Morton and I have talked about this plenty of times. Just the mired in mediocrity, which is sad considering they have a player as good as Jimmy. He still has two years left, so they they need to ask for a lot. And obviously, it seems like they are asking for a lot, which is the right play. They're doing their due diligence. It seems like obviously with all these rumors, and I just still don't think they're going to have the guts to pull off a trade. And they'll probably just end up saying, well, you know, we value them highly. No team's met our, met our asking price. And they just they won't do it, and they'll have another garbage, mediocre, not fun year. I, I, so I like, kind of do hope they trade them just to get the rebuild, start younger. But I'm also worried about them just botching the trade really badly. So it's like, with the Bulls, I just always find myself in just a terrible spot where I end up getting depressed <laughs> after talking about it. <laughs> I apologize yep. in advance for these next 10 minutes. <laughs> it's all good. Um, Mort, what is the lowest you would take for Jimmy Butler right now? If I'm the Bulls? Mm-hmm. 
I don't, I honestly don't care. I just want him off that team. <laughs> I, I I just want him for his sake. Right. I just want him to go somewhere where he can be happy because he can't possibly be happy in whatever it is that Chicago is doing. No, but honestly, if if I'm looking at it objectively, I would want a lottery pick and a young guy. Like, um, so last year, this is basically the same story going into the draft as last year. It was Boston, it was Minnesota. Those two came up. Mm-hmm. And then this year we have Phoenix, who were kind of mentioned last year as well because they had a high pick, I think third or something. Um, was it was it third? I don't know. I, I think they had four. Four. They took Bender. Four <laughs> Bender. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So so it's the same slot they're in this year actually. Uh, so they were mentioned briefly as well. Likewise as now, and we were consistently told that the one pick from Boston, you know, the Chris Dunn pick that the Bulls wanted Chris Dunn because obviously they they <laughs> wanted Chris Dunn. It was terrible. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was they wanted Chris Dunn, and then they wanted a starter, preferably a, a young guy. Then when the deal turned over to Minnesota, it was like, okay, we we want Minnesota's pick, and we want a young guy, but Zach Levine is not enough. So I, I'm guessing, this is just off me, I, I think that the Bulls said, you can have Jimmy if you give us your pick and Andrew Wiggins. So that's probably where they came from. Yeah, I agree. Well, see, yeah, see, Brian, you're laughing, but honestly, Andrew Wiggins... Like I get that there's the potential there, but he's dramatically overrated when you look at him. So I mean, I kind of get why the Bulls would ask for that. Like Jimmy's and, and great. We talk about the dynamic between Tibbs and the Frogs. I feel like the Bulls just would not. They'd be really careful about trading with Tibbs. Like they mm-hmm. do oh, not want to get embarrassed by Tibbs. Basically, kind of again. Like so. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I I agree. I wrote a thing on Butler yesterday at Fanrag, which just kind of parsing through some of these rumors and I said I think it would have if they were to trade him now it would have to be Wiggins and the 7 pick like I feel like the, the, yeah. there's no way like Dunn Levine and the 7 would be enough because Levine's coming off the ACL Dunn had a horrible rookie year so I mean that trade I think would be not look good for the Bulls and with Wiggins like you said he's been kind of overrated he was he did improve last year but I feel like at least that gives you the a guy who who could be like a Jimmy Butler like a kind of kind of similar players or at least the idea of Wiggins could be what Jimmy Butler is now, and then you get another young guy at seven. And you talk to the point of just like the general minimum for Butler. I definitely agree. You need high pick this year, and then one other prime mm-hmm. asset, whether it's a young player, whether it's another high pick next year. So then you could rebuild, tank, and then hopefully get themselves a high pick next year. Because in next year's draft, if you can have a better chance or multiple chances at guys like Luka Doncic, Michael Porter Jr., DeAndre Ayton, like that's obviously the goal. Mo here. Bamba. Yeah, Bamba. Yep. Yeah, so if you get could get chances at those guys, and you can have two or three of those guys over the next few years to rebuild with, that's an attractive, an attractive option to go after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. Right. Let's just, <laughs> let's just stick with that because the Bulls have run this ridiculous idea by fans for the past year. They've been arguing that oh, the 1999 rebuild. That was so horrid. It's, they talk about it like it was the Holocaust. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Like, oh, it took, and it takes seven or eight years to rebuild. No, it takes seven or eight years to rebuild if you're freaking incompetent. <laughs> right. So, like, that excuse, they're trying to sell that to fans, and it's bullshit. It's utter bullshit. So, yeah. like, I mean, look at this, you know, look at the Sixers. It took them four years. Like, <laughs> you're I mean, honestly, person. like, you know, I, I hate to, like, tangent here for a second, but Dan Feldman of NBC Sports was asking this last night on Twitter, like, what is, 
you know, what what is like the the net result you would need to do the process over again. And I was like, bro, it doesn't matter. Like, you don't look at where the Sixers were in 2013. They had no assets whatsoever. They traded two first round picks. The only good player was Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. Now look at them. Yeah, so like, I saw. Two, let's see, I sorry. saw some column. I think that somebody tweeted out. I think I think it was either this morning or last night about some like Philly columnist was like. Oh, the Sixers should tra- should build around Thad Young and Evan Turner. It's like yeah. you went from that to wherever they're at now. Like that, even if the yeah. even if like whatever this doesn't end up working out in the like deep playoff runs, like at least the idea of attempting it and getting this core is better than trying to build around bums like that. Right, right. That was part of RT Armageddon, which yeah. was some of the best Twitter I've ever seen. Oh yeah, Joel and B got in on the I, RT Armageddon action. That was nice. Yeah, I, no, but but yeah, but I, it's just honestly, it's to your point though, where like it, you know, even if you're starting from nothing, you can turn it into yeah. a real team in four years. Like just because the Magic have screwed their rebuild up and the Kings have screwed their rebuild up and the Knicks are just mm. perpetually crappy, doesn't mean that's what rebuilding is. Like if you're trading Jimmy Butler, you, you know you're you're coming from a better spot yeah. than the Sixers did in 2013. And here's the thing. Here's what pisses me off the most. It's the fact that Bulls fans for years have just screamed out, we're okay with a rebuild. Mm -hmm. Everyone's been saying that. So when Gar and Pax come out and say, oh, well, the rebuild, how is that going to play? We're going to be really bad. Then that just proves to me they are not listening to anyone. They're not listening. I even wrote a post on Bloggable. At some point where I asked people, I, I did a poll, I don't remember the exact results, where I asked people, like, if the Bulls went into, like, a full-on rebuild, would you actually support the team? Would you tune in and watch them more than you do now where there's, compared to when they're stuck in no man's land? And the vast majority said yes. Some even said yes, I would even buy tickets. I would mm. be more inclined to buy tickets to go watch this rebuilding process because at least that shows they've chosen a fucking direction. But the Bulls are like... Well, nope, we can't do that because uh, ticket sales. No, right. You're not, you're not listening. Hashtag you're not even looking. Like, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Like, look, and that's also why. Like, I was joking earlier when when I saw the Bulls were allegedly interested in Andre Iguodala. I was like, mm. he's a bit on the young side, isn't he? Like, <laughs> younger and more athletic. Yeah. Younger and more athletic. It's just, look, Jay. I know you're with me on this one. Like, it's just the the lack of transparency as well it's the constant bullshit feed that fans are being fed and asked to swallow on a year-to-year basis like look it's become a thing like the the end of the year press conference every bulls fan is tuning in and ready with the jokes right Mm -hmm. i mean i know you were there this year as well like everyone was it was ridiculous to that point like one of the hilarious things we were i was actually out some fellow bloggers on friday and we were Talk, just talking about that, just how John Paxson, like, what in w- one side he'll be like, well, you know, we really we don't have the flexibility to overhaul our roster this year because we have players under contract, and then then like the next breath, like, oh, we have so much flexibility for 2018, like it's gonna be it's gonna be <laughs> fine. Like on one hand, oh, we have all this flexibility, and on the other, well, we can't make any major changes this summer because we have these players under contract. For with like just I mean the Dwayne Wade contract is just absolutely ridiculous. Why why the heck did they give him? First of all, to, I'd hated it to begin with just because I've never liked Dwayne Wade and just the idea of that was purely transparent for in terms of like marketing, ticket sales, jersey sales, mm. crap like that. But the, <laughs> That's an area that's transparent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the two-year deal, 
for a twenty basically twenty four million a year with the player the player option. Why? Why do they they give him a player option? Like mm. give him the two year deal with like a team option or non guaranteed money on his second year. Like make him if he's if he goes and if he goes to the Nuggets or the Bucks last summer, so what? Like whatever. Like the, <laughs> but to give him a two year deal and to hamstring them this summer because he's been Wade is basically sitting over this entire summer and it almost like makes me want to trade Butler more just to hopefully get Wade out so they can definitely right. like start all over. It's just it's just ridiculous and these, those press conferences are just painful to watch every summer because it's always just woe is me like we can't do anything we're we're not doing a good we and they they always they still bring up Derek Rose and his <laughs> stuff and it's just like get get over it he got injured like five years ago just take some responsibility have some goddamn accountability mm-hmm. for your moves but it just never happens and like I said I'm not I'm expecting them not to trade Jimmy and we'll hear the same crap going into the next year they'll Wade will be back Rondo will be back and we'll just hear the same stuff. All we know, like, whatever, we, we we talked to some teams, but we were never really looking to trade them. We weren't really going to do anything. And then and then they're going to try trade for Kyrie Irving, according to Joe Colley, which the, the article he put out today was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah, what? It, it, it went, uh, yeah, I don't know if you saw this. So Colley put no. out this article today about about Jimmy and the Cavs, and it said, oh, Jimmy may push to trade, push for a trade to get to the Cavs. And then it talked, and then it just went into this whole meandering thing. It brought up Kyle Lowry about him possibly going to the Bulls, and then it ended with Kyrie talking about how Kyrie Irving has been reaching out to put, reaching out to people, and then how he might want to play in Chicago if LeBron left next year. It was just like this. You need to go see it. Go read this article because yeah, it's just all over the yard, all like, over the place. It is. Yeah. A, it was a hot mess. <laughs> completely hilarious. I, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. Jimmy was trying to would try to push to go to Cleveland. Why would why would you want to stay with the Bulls? Go play with LeBron for right. at least a year and see if you can win a title. And I I wouldn't blame it at all. Blame him at all if he did that. And he's tied with Kyrie. Like that's yeah. part of the reason exactly. I think Holly wrote the piece. That's mm-hmm. because he knows that there's a relationship there. Like and let's be honest, like a Kyrie Jimmy backcourt duo, that would be freaking insane. Yeah, that'd be like, awesome. I yeah. get that. Well, well we'll talk about LeBron's future in Cleveland shortly, but Jay, I'm glad you brought up, you know, the idea of trading Jimmy to get D-Wade to turn down that player option because, you know, that's... I, I, we've all seen reports that Wade is leaning toward uh, opting in, but if you trade Jimmy and you trade Rondo, whose contract isn't guaranteed until the end of this month, you know, then it starts to become interesting. Maybe D-Wade decides he wants out and he can go, you know, and he can do half of Team Banana Boat in Cleveland for a year and then he'll go follow LeBron wherever he goes in 2018 because that's... From the sound of things, it might not be Cleveland. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And one other yeah. thing I would like to bring up, just in terms of the Jimmy trade, especially with the Cavaliers, is obviously the Cavs do not have anything the uh, uh, Bulls would really want. They shouldn't want Kevin Love, they, and they're not going to trade Jimmy for Kyrie. Should have obviously that's not going to happen. So like they t- they're talking about the third teams, and I'm just kind of confused why those third teams. Like the, I've seen, I've seen the. Uh, the Suns, I think we met, somebody mentioned the Suns mm-hmm. before, and I think Cowley mentioned the Lakers in his thing that I told you. This thing was all over the place. But he mentions these teams. I'm just kind of confused why any of those teams would want to facilitate a trade to get Jimmy to those teams and then to take on Kevin Love when, I mean, if, why wouldn't they just want to trade for, like, if anything, they could trade for Butler themselves with the assets that they have? Like, yeah, why, would they yeah. want, why would they want to do the whole Kevin Love thing? Obviously, Kevin Love's still good. I think he's still kind of underrated, even though obviously he has his... Issues against the Warriors generally, but like overall, he's fine. But like, 
why would a team like the Suns, would they really trade the fourth pick for Kevin Love? Like, I don't think that sounds like a great idea. Or like the Lakers, they would. what would they trade that would make it worth it for the Bulls to trade Jimmy to the Cavs? Those teams would have to give the Bulls a ton, like, to take Kevin Love. I, I don't understand that at all, the Suns, really. The Suns especially, they just drafted Bender and Chris, both of whom play the same position yeah. as Kevin Love. So that's especially... I mean, you know, I, I think in a vacuum... I don't, I'm just not in love with the guys in that, like, 3, 4, 5 range, depending on who actually goes there. But, you know, I, I had been very nervous uh, up until about Saturday about those picks. So, like, yeah, maybe in a vacuum, 4 for Kevin Love is reasonable. But, yeah, I don't know why the Suns would do it or why you wouldn't just take Jimmy, as you said. Yeah. Like, if the Bulls were willing to do 4 and, mm. cha- you know, 4 and change for Jimmy Butler, totally just do that. Um, all right, let's move on to Kristaps Porzingis, who honestly, you know, earlier this offseason, right after the regular season ended, there was a little bit of scuttlebutt about him because he skipped his exit meeting and then, like, hadn't gotten in touch with anyone in the Knicks organization. Uh, turns out he still hasn't talked to anyone in the Knicks organization. And so Woj reported Tuesday that Phil Jackson has not ruled out trading Kristaps. Doesn't make it sound like he is openly shopping him, but he's at least available for the right price. Sarah, do you think Phil Jackson should be fired on the spot? Or is is it reasonable to consider uh, shopping Kristaps given his unhappiness with the organization? I mean, I guess that slightly makes sense if he's that pissed that he's done with y'all. But so then, if you're the Knicks, why not part ways with the people who pissed him off that much? Right. Okay. Why, why, why continue on that road and give up? Because they stops? own the team. Oh my god! Yeah, you're right. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they need to clean house. Somebody somewhere got to step up, step in there. Yeah. No. I mean, we've all talked about it, Phil. I don't know what the hell he's doing. I'm not sure if he knows what the hell he's doing. So, he's just, he's crazy right now. The moves, all last year, throwing Melo under the bus every two seconds was disgusting. The Charles Ugly thing was disgusting. And now this is kind of the cherry on top. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I would go with your first option. Fired on the spot. Yeah. Yeah, and there is, I forget, oh, it was Woj who also reported Phil was trying to meet with Lori Markinen. Uh, they have the eighth pick. Uh, Is it I the same guy as Porzingis? Right, yeah. Totally. <laughs> Basically a clone of Phil's eyes. So. Just a lot worse. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, more, I mean, Coach Dave, Dave Defer on Twitter suggested the Sixers should trade Ben Simmons straight up for Kristaps. Do you think that's crazy? Or what, if you're the Knicks and you're actually oh, shopping I... him, what would you expect for Kristaps? Look, I, I would do that if I'm Philly. Me too. Yeah, I mean, you just you don't know what Ben Simmons is right now. You know what Porzingis is, so obviously, uh, coincidentally, we we spoke about Butler earlier. Like mm. this is something that should get the Bulls out of their seats. That that would mm. be a guy. I mean, for Butler, and then the the sad thing would be Butler being in New York because that's that's not fair to him. Like it's not fair to anybody, honestly, being in New York. So I don't wish that upon him or anyone else. 
but no, that's that's probably the deal they have to go to, uh, after right now, like a veteran star, because I imagine that Phil Jackson right now is trying to hang on to his job or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like if his money, if his money is guaranteed, then he might not care. I'm really not sure. Like that's that's the thing with the Knicks. I have no idea like what their agenda is, mm-hmm. what, what their actions indicate. It just seems like they did. They do the same that they did under Isaiah, which was just panicking all the time. Whenever something came up, it was like, oh, okay, so this can be fixed by a, by a trade. Come on, hey, hey, Steve Francis, there you go. Like, you're injured, you're really, really bad right now, but we're going to give up a shit ton to get you in. Come on, come on, Steve Francis. Be a perfect shooting guard next to Stefan Marbury. Oh, my God. But, like, it's they're just panicking all the time. Like, that positive foundation that you need as an organization is just not there. Yeah. So like that that skews what they can get for him as well. I mean, I, I don't think they can get the farm for him. Not not I mean they have these requirements and all that, but you have to understand as well, players, they have a say. Not in being traded, but in wanting to stay. And everyone is speaking to everyone, so agents will talk to their players, like, Okay, you're you're actually on, on you know, the trading block right now, you're being discussed in a deal with for for Chris Tops. Wait, I'm going to New York? Yeah, maybe. Okay, my contract is up in twelve months. I'm not returning. Just so you know, like by mm-hmm. now, you can go to the Knicks and tell I my ass won't stay there. <laughs> right. So that's going to factor in as well. Yeah. I think that if the Knicks get a lot of that feedback, their price on Porzingis is going to go way down. Mm. Yeah, I actually like the idea of the Bulls going after him, if only because then they can the Knicks could just assemble the 2010 yes. Bulls. Yes. Like you're gonna have <laughs> Derek Rose, Butler. You could get Kirk Heinrich back in the fold. It'd be real fun. You just took the words, the Knicks, words out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was <laughs> gonna say. Yeah, the Knicks love the prior Bulls. I mean, look they they had Eddie Curry, they had Jamal Crawford, they had Tyson mm-hmm. Chandler, they had the old C unit, they even had Jalen Rose. I mean, come on, they love former Bulls like Derek Rose as well it's it's bound to happen that is destiny. bound to happen yeah uh, so Jay if you're the Celtics you know we, we could talk about Danny Ainge a little bit later as well but is this not the type of guy you say you know I've accumulated like 17 first round picks in the next three drafts I'm gonna unload you know this year's number three the pick they just picked up from Philly uh, we have a Nets pick next year as well. We have a couple in 2019. Do you not just empty the chambers here to get Chris Epps? Uh First of all, I love talking about the Celtics. I have a, a lovely little rivalry with Celtics fans on Twitter <laughs> because I just, just do not like the Celtics. But yeah, I mean, you, I get. I mean, I when I when I've had these discussions with Celtics people on Twitter, I get not wanting to give up so much for Butler and Paul George. I've talked about wanting a ton, like both Nuts picks and Jalen Brown, blah, blah, blah. And they always come back with, well, we don't want to like ruin our future. Which is stupid to begin with because Paul George and Jimmy Butler are both not old. But whatever. Mm-hmm. Either way, yeah. Chris Stapps Porzingis is, what, 21 years old to be 22 in a few months or whatever. There's a guy who is awesome and you're building for the future. So he's good now <laughs> and he'll be great, whatever, for the next at least like seven years for you, assuming... You would sign him to the max deal or whatever as off the rookie deal, which every really good rookie basically does. So whatever you have him for a long time. So yes, you have all these assets. Make a big offer, and I know they. I saw that they are interested, which obviously they should be. They'd be idiots not to. But then again, I was seeing on Twitter before coming on here, like oh, like stuff like, well, people were like, oh, would you trade like number three? Basically, what they got from the Sixers plus like a player 
for Chris Porzingis. Like, I feel like that's a no-brainer. It's, mm-hmm. Like, yes, like Porzingis is a 21-year-old unicorn stud big man who can shoot and block shots. Like, that sounds great. Like, are you really gonna say, oh, I don't, I'm not gonna trade for Chris Epps because I want Jason Tatum and I'd rather keep Jay Crowder <laughs> and oh, well, that pick that whatever 2018 or 19 pick could be really something really awesome but we still we're still not totally sure like i just don't get that mindset like, it, 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 this is why you like why you have those pieces i think i feel like they're i, I think a lot of their idea is they're waiting on anthony davis and the mm. pelicans so i think their mindset is we're gonna keep we're gonna do this thing whatever we're gonna keep all these assets we make these picks we still have all these extra assets in the future and we're gonna wait until anthony davis possibly becomes available and whatever, I think if Cousins left next summer, Davis would probably be out the door next. I would feel like that the Pelicans probably look to trade Davis. I think he'd have two years left on his deal after next year. I think two or three. I can't mm-hmm. remember, but I feel like that. I feel like that's that their general idea. But still, I mean, you trade for Porzingis now, and you could use that to get Anthony Davis. Like if you right. if you're not happy with Porzingis, so it's like just it's, they're just like the Celtics fans just always drive me crazy because they always overvalue their own guys <laughs> and they just. Go crazy with some of this stuff, but yeah, I mean, if they're the Celtics, if they, as the Celtics, they should definitely be looking into this for hardcore. Yeah, and he, I mean, he'd be a great fit next to Al Horford. Yeah. Uh, on both ends of the floor, frankly, I mean, their rebounding is still going to be a little spotty, but you have Al Horford in your starting lineup. That's just always going to be the case. The fact they can both step out and hit the three is a huge plus. Uh, I, I mean, I'm with you. I, I think this is the one you. You know, you go all in for if you're the Celtics. Whether mm-hmm. whether Danny Ainge can stand to be ripped off in two straight deals, we'll have to see. But the fact that the Knicks are under pressure is, you know, as you said, should lower their asking price. I'm kind of, you know, I'm glad you brought up this Anthony Davis thing because, A, I feel like the first person who started this was Jason McIntyre of the big lead, who <laughs> is not exactly the most plugged in. He's not Woj, let's say that much. And yeah. He's more like speculation it was like oh well they have four first round picks now let's trade them for anthony davis and it was not like a source report at all so we need to just clarify that that's not going to happen as you said jay until at least 2018 you know they're going to give this boogie thing a full year to run its course um i this might be a hot take but like given the respective prices that i would expect both guys Kristaps and anthony davis to command and how long you have them under team control. I think if I'm the Celtics, I prefer to trade for Kristaps than Anthony Davis. I know Anthony Davis right now is the better player, but given his injury history, the fact he's only under contract for three more years versus seven for Kristaps, given the fact I think Kristaps would probably cost a little bit less than Anthony Davis would, is that a hot take? Am I crazy? I don't think so and, and if you could possibly i don't know if it, you could do it but i mean if you could get chris Stapps without trading the net next year's nets pick which again crazy to me like i said i saw someone on twitter and celtics fans were discussing this year's number three the lakers kings pick whatever the thing that the other thing they got from the kings and then a good player like you would get chris Stapps and also keep that 2018 nets pick unprotected and you still wouldn't do it like that's that's crazy because then you still mm-hmm. if you had Chris Stapps and then that 2018 Nets pick whoever you draft that would basically be your centerpiece for an Anthony Davis thing so it's like mm-hmm. you'd still have, and they still have like a million other first rounders later even if they're not as good like you still have all those other assets you still have a guy 
Jalen Brown who could be really good. Like they still have it's insane how many assets they were. So it's like you could cash in on these guys now, and you could probably still have stuff for Anthony Davis later. So it's silly. Yeah, I would make that trade in a heartbeat, and especially because I mean this. So this was previously unreported when we talked about the Markel Fultz trade Sunday. That pick that Lakers Kings pick they got cannot possibly be number one. Yeah. Either the Lakers pick goes two to five next year, and if it doesn't, the Kings pick comes, or they get the better of the Kings and the Sixers 2019 first-round picks, but if either one of those is number one, they get the worst of the two. So no matter what, their best-case scenario is number three this year, and then number two either in 2018 or 2019. So it's not like they're not risking what the Nets did in that Paul Pierce trade. You know, They're not risking giving up the number one overall pick. It's like, yeah, you could give up three and like Maybe you do give up Michael Porter in the worst case scenario, but for Kristaps, like Kristaps is a known commodity, and it, you've got him for so long. I, Celtics fans, I, as long as they are not willing to include Terry Rozier in any deal, then there's just no middle ground we can reach. The untouchable um, Terry Rozier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who, you know, as if yesterday wasn't crazy enough. Uh, with all the yes. Paul George, yeah, with all the Paul George and Jimmy Butler and everything coming out yesterday, then last night, uh, out of the blue, at like six or seven o'clock, there's a report. I think Brian Windhorst was the one who first broke the story of ESPN. Uh, the Cavs and Je- David Griffin, the general manager whose contract expired at the end of the month, they mutually decided to part ways. Um, Multiple reports have phrased it as like a difference in opinions on the direction of the franchise moving forward. Um, it's not exactly clear what that means. There were reports that you know they they were shopping Kevin Love for these Jimmy Butler deals, so clearly David Griffin was open to doing that. Um, we don't know you know what that means. Like maybe he was open to dealing Kyrie Irving and Dan Gilbert wasn't, or vice versa, but. You know, regardless, the Cavs are now two days away from the draft. They don't have a general manager, uh, and they are, you know, apparently trying to pull off a blockbuster trade. Sarah, is Dan Gilbert quickly rising among the worst owners in the NBA? For sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw there was a video that came out recently of LeBron talking about how he really didn't even want to come back to Cleveland. Uh, at least not for Gilbert, but he, uh, you know, realized that it was bigger than that—the chance to come back and mm. and be a, a symbol of hope for the kids in that that area. Mm. Um, but his mom did not want him to come back. <laughs> she said, "If you go, I'm not going. I'll stay in Miami. I'll go somewhere else." <laughs> so, yeah, like he burned a lot of bridges and really got LeBron back, not of his own merit at all whatsoever, which I think we all knew, you know. But, yeah, so he locked his way into LeBron. And now, you know, you had a great GM, and you you can't... I think there were reports, too, that really it was a nice way of saying he didn't... They couldn't agree on compensation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he clearly didn't want to pay him uh, mm-hmm. what, he, what he's worth. So, I mean, he better hope that, yeah, all of our jokes about LeBron being the real GM are, are actually true because <laughs> they're in trouble now, like... It's a, it's incredible. You just mentioned that they're two days away from the draft and don't have a GM. Yeah, that's, to, that's incredible. To say to, to her point about that about the compensation thing, there were 
think Windhorse and Dave McMenamin had an article come out and Jason Lloyd at The Athletic last night. Basically that Gilbert and Griffin had a meeting on Friday, I think it was, and basically Griffin was like, I want a lot more money, I want more power in the organization, and Griffin or Gilbert basically got ticked off, canceled the meeting on Sunday, and and then I guess Griffin was working the phones for Jimmy Weller Trade Monday, and then that was it. It was like done. But yeah, it sounds like Griffin felt like he was underappreciated by Gilbert in the front office, and that he just wanted more power. Naturally, considering the job he's done, you win a title with this team, you do a really good job. Obviously, getting LeBron back is a huge help, but he's made a lot of other good moves around the fringes, so. He wasn't paid that much, so to want more money and to a little more power as maybe a president of basketball operations makes sense. But apparently Gilbert was having none of that, and he's just a piece of shit. It seems like from when I was reading, when I was reading, like just yeah. between reading the athletic article and the ESPN article about it today, it just sounds like Gilbert just a weird, paranoid, controlling mm-hmm. dude. And the only, I guess the only good thing you can really say about him is that he was willing to pay all this money for these rosters which, I mean, that's the least you can do when you're a billionaire and you have LeBron James. Like, yeah, I would hope you were willing to pay that much money. But besides that, it seems like he's just a, a terrible dude. I mean, yep. it's just so crazy. He never extended with a general manager, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. I think, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's it's total, I mean, it's lunacy. You know, we had Sam Vecini on Friday to talk about the draft, and we swayed into here a little bit when we were talking about what's next for Cleveland. And he was saying, like, Look, David Griffin has one of the best reputations among general managers in the league. He's good at all facets of the job. What he's done over the last three years, like getting Shumpert, J.R. Smith, Channing Fry, Kyle Korver out of basically thin air was incredible. Like He continued to fill out that complimentary cast around LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love mm-hmm. that you needed to compete with the Warriors and win their first ever championship. And the fact that... You know, Dan Gilbert was like, yeah, well, thanks, but no thanks is, it's surreal, especially because, you know, LeBron James, before the finals started, throughout the playoffs, has repeatedly praised the work that David Griffin did. Like, it's clear that LeBron had respect for the work David Griffin did. After he stepped down last night, LeBron sent out a tweet and basically said, I forget the exact wording, but it was like, you know, even if no one around here appreciated you, I did, which, you know... He basically was yep. subtweeting Dan Gilbert sub-tweet. there. Yeah. yeah, so the reports are now that Chauncey Billups is apparently uh, going to interview for like a team president job, and then he is going to help find a new GM. Morton, I I saw you scoff immediately. You're not in on Chauncey team president? No, I like Chauncey. It's not that. It's just he has no prior experience mm-hmm. with this. And then to go from one of the league's best GMs to someone who is – not tested in that field. Look, Chauncey is extremely bright. I actually think he will do a good job down the line when he's seasoned. seasoned. But look, he's taking over an impossible situation. Like, how do you improve a team that's that capped out where there might be bad lingering feelings because of the dismissal of Griffin? You know, it's just an, it's just an unsavory situation to, to be put in, like, especially with an owner like that. Like, let me just read a tweet from David Aldrich last night um, where he said, Griffin was elbow deep today as late as an hour ago working to put together a monster deal to get Jimmy Butler from Chicago. So that means that within an hour's time, Griffin was trying to work his magic to acquire one of the best players in the league, a top 10 player, to being told that, nope, you're on the (laughs) outs. 
And then Absurd. you exactly, and then you hire a guy with no front office experience. Like, are you kidding me? It is almost kind of bold, like cronyism, because whatever I think. Uh, <laughs> yep. Whatever I think, I read that. Uh, what's whatever? Billups is friends with Lou and mm-hmm. yeah. close with mm-hmm. Dan Gilbert, and that mm-hmm. I think the athletic article that from Jason Lloyd I think mentioned how they were that. Billups was kind of angling for the job during the Eastern Conference playoffs, or it was something like I can't remember where I read that, but it, it was basically kind of like, like cronyism, like I said. Which, would, like I said, I, I agree with you that I, I bet Billups will seems like a smart guy for the most part. The the love for the love for mellow stuff that on ESPN did not exactly the best, but in general, I feel like he probably would do a good job. But when you go and especially in the situation the Cavs are in, when you're dealing with LeBron James and you're in win now mode and cutthroat, like. I mean, I guess if they hired a good GM, I know Stein, Mark Stein, I think, tweeted about possibly them looking at Justin Zanuck, who just got screwed by the Bucks as an option. Yeah. Like that, that would probably be a good move. But still, like to do it not at this timing with the Cavs in this situation, it just it's not it does not make any sense at all. Yeah, yeah. it's now so so right now my list has changed. By the way, I Jason, you don't know this, but on this podcast, I have been. Uh, I, I've been saying for a while that I wanted a, a compo in Chicago to replace Gar and Pax. Mm. I've been wanting Mike Saren from Boston and Sam Hinkie, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll you know Mike Saren, you can, you can stay in Boston. I have a new duo <laughs> that I want in, in the with the Bulls now. Just David Griffin and Sam Hinkie. Come on, one be team president, mm-hmm. the, the other GM. Just hand over that money, Gar, and about five years time, you're you're going to be looking pretty dope. I'm in, totally. Yep. Yeah. So we need to have the inevitable LeBron James conversation now because you know there's been Oh he gone. Yeah, there's <laughs> been there's been a lot of smoke around Los Angeles in particular. I forget who was the one that first reported, but Kevin Ding in the aforementioned Lonzo Ball column yesterday also included the nugget that apparently LeBron James's wife Savannah really wants to move to Los Angeles full time. Um, and the Lakers are like proactively planning uh, ways to get both Paul George and LeBron. Um, you know, the Clippers, they just brought in Jerry West. Apparently part of their reasoning was also Jerry West has some sort of relationship with LeBron. They're, they're, they're just trying to angle however they can. So first, if you're the Clippers, don't you try to bring in David Griffin in some sort of like, I mean... A, take some responsibility off of Doc Rivers' hands, but B, like, if not, just, like, some sort of front office advisor role? Absolutely. I, I agree. I mean, I feel like at this point, Doc needs to, like, step down from his president job or whatever. They could just pay him the same amount of money. Just get that just get that title away from him. Like, he's done a terrible <laughs> job. So, yeah, bring in Dave Griffin to be the president of basketball operations, but you can maybe even make Doc the GM. I don't, I don't, do they have a GM, actual GM right now, or is it all just Doc? I don't you know? honestly know. I would, yeah. as far as I know, it's all Doc. I think they have a yeah. I I, I think they do have a functioning GM. Oh, I'm really? not sure. It's it, yeah. It's always Doc's name that pops up. Though. Right. Yeah. I mean, the point being, if they're really going after LeBron, LeBron clearly has respect for Dave Griffin. At Jace, as you said, <laughs> Doc has not done the best job in charge of running the day-to-day operations of the franchise. So, like, that's a no-brainer to me. But. More, as you said, you know, it sounds like LeBron really might be heading out in 2018. Um, mm-hmm. we, I feel like we talked about this a couple episodes ago, 
you know, if Los Angeles is really his motivation, which one of those two teams would you prefer seeing him sign with? <laughs> I, I honestly don't know because it depends on the Paul George thing, right? Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, if George ends up in in LA, I just I would I would probably go there because he complements you know LeBron perfectly, absolutely perfectly. Um, depends on what you have to give up for George, though. Like if you can keep on D'Angelo Russell there, then you'll have a sort of not so good Kyrie clone mm-hmm. that you could sort of hope to get better. And the Lakers, it's the Tinsel Town. Yeah, I'm gonna go Lakes. Mm. Lake show. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think if um, if George does go, they would probably need to package D'Angelo with either the Mozgov or Dan contract to get them off the books, just to fit both uh, LeBron yeah, and point. George under the yep. cap. But still, you know, you still have. George, LeBron, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and then you know Larry Nance, Ugh. Zubac. Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe move Ball instead of D'Angelo, though. That's mm. that's where I'm at. Yeah, like move the the current pig if need be. Look, can we just reiterate how awfully stupid those two contracts were last year? <laughs> I mean, I don't even care about the money involved per year. Right. That did that didn't matter whatsoever. It was the four years, like. What on earth? And people after Mitch Kupchak were fired were like, "Oh, Mitch is gone. I don't, I don't understand. He did <laughs> such a great job. Well, he did, like overall, obviously. But like that is a huge, monumental mistake. Yeah. Like, and that Ma- Armageddon, the Mozgov thing. Literally, that was like I think the first deal agreed upon in free agency. Yeah, I remember yeah. like whatever at midnight, right after midnight, it was Lakers right. agreed to a four-year deal with Mozgov. Sixteen million. You're like, what? What are you doing? Like, <laughs> I just don't understand committing that type of money. I mean, even though he was good for the Cavs in 2015, like he was awful last year, and he was injury problems, and he's 30. Like, just, I can't even imagine what's going through your mind to think that we need to get out in front of free agency like this and give Timothy Timothy Bosco that contract, and then the top. I mean, ba- that's bad enough, and then the top it off with Dang's contract as well. Like. I'm a big Lou Dang fan. He was awesome in Chicago for a lot of years, but like he was, he's old. He's beat up. He's got a lot of miles on the miles on those legs. So, again, four year deal, whatever, seventeen, eighteen million a year. Just, just you knew immediately that those contracts were going to be a huge mistake. And what do you know? They are. Maybe, maybe they'll get out of them. They could sh- stretch them out over a ton of years if they really wanted to. And, and, but just, just terrible, ter- terrible. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. yeah I mean, no, and, and here's the thing. Even if they got like Miami Dame, who was decent, like he, he actually found his game when he started playing the four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like even Two if you got contract. that thing. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't give him four. You don't give him four. Like you don't even get close to it. Like at most I would have given him like three, but the third year would have yeah. been like at least partially unguaranteed. Right. Like, or or a vast majority of it would have not have been guaranteed. So and, and I believe everything like it's guaranteed mm-hmm. for those two, yep. right? It's all one hundred percent guaranteed. Jeez, yeah, I remember yeah, both he, deals. <laughs> yep, both deals. Zach Lowe, I don't remember what column it was in. Some, I think about the Wizards. Um, he said like the Wizards were in negotiations with Luol Deng for like a three-year. I want to say it was around fifty, fifty-five million, and then they heard the Lakers' offer and were like, "What the hell? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what are you doing?" Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, and especially for Mozgov. Like, look at, you know, Willie Reed and, like, Dwayne Dedman signed for a fraction of that cost, and they were arguably as impactful, if not more, Dedman especially. So, yeah, that, those are two. Oh, that's not even an argument. Yeah, right. I guess, <laughs> right. I guess those guys got to play until the end of the season, whereas Mozgov had to get shut down a month in advance. Uh, but the, the timing of it was also weird. Like, we've talked about this before on this podcast. Like, when you have a bunch of young players, it does make sense at some point to go out and spend money because otherwise your money is going to be tied up with the extension of the young guys. Mm-hmm. But the Lakers weren't even there. Right. Like, they were not close to, like, having a lot of guys coming up for extensions. Yeah. Like, they, they weren't even close. Like, they just, they ejaculated prematurely. That's all <laughs> oh. I'm saying. Yeah, it's... Just brutal. I, I guess if you could have talked me into if they just would have signed, even if it was the bad four years for Dang, if they would have just done like Dang for, because he was kind of effective last year as the stretch four, and he is a great guy in the locker room to have. So, like, okay, I get it. If you give one veteran that overpay to be a veteran voice in the locker room and maybe still give you some good minutes, fine. It's just, he said, the combo of it, all guaranteed, all those years, just completely ridiculous. And. That's why Mitch, Mitch. Part of the reason why Mitch is a, a goner, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Sarah, I, I mean, you're already dealing with Kevin Durant in the West. Are you ready to deal with a world where the Spurs <laughs> have to compete with Kevin Durant and LeBron James before they even get to the finals? It's it's really not okay. Is it? <laughs> it's okay because LeBron's coming here next year. Oh. He's going to play with the one guy he he least likes playing against, which is Kawhi. Uh, it's gonna be okay. I'm, gonna, I'm just disappointed that we didn't mention when we were talking about Chauncey that ESPN tweet where he advocated for them trading love for Mello. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like is do we think that's gonna happen if they pick him up? Oh God. I would. I would hope not. I mean, like I said, he <laughs> might he might have just been saying that at the time on TV. Maybe panicked a little mm-hmm. bit, and maybe he does have a little thought of that in general. But I feel like he would hope a stronger front office around him and. The, whoever you would hire a GM, I would hope that he'd say, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He, he yeah. may not have known that Melo has a 15% trade kicker as well. Yeah. Like, Melo would be earning about $30 million a year with that trade kicker uh, going in. Like, he has the option to waive it, but <laughs> who are we kidding? Right. I mean, look, he had a perfect opportunity to join a somewhat, uh, you know, competent version of the Bulls in 2014. But he opted for more money, which is like fair. I, I get that. Okay, that was like what fifty. Jason was like fifty million more. He accepted. Oh, for Mello like Mello right? and the Bulls. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, think he, the Bulls yeah. didn't even have cap. They didn't even have max cap space. I'm pretty sure the Bulls were trying to like sell him on some garbage deal. That I mean, I guess they could have made max cap space if they would have traded like Taj and maybe something else. But yeah, I'm pretty sure they were trying to get him to take like less money, which is yeah, I think seventy five or yeah, something. It was it was a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, in Chauncey's yeah. defense, so, he actually might not know what a trade kicker is. So, <laughs> an inexperienced. Right, exactly. If, I, this could be Vlade part two. Hopefully not for Cavs fans' sake. But yeah, I, I think let's just say, let's agree that we will be talking a lot about LeBron James' future uh, in the next 12 months because it sounds like he could be heading elsewhere. I will say this, though, you know, if. Obviously, if your wife wants to move to L.A. and that's what's going to guide your decision, that's fine. Uh, happy I wife, happy life. Right. Uh, I don't think 
you know, I, I would be shocked if the Clippers could make it work where they're ever going to be competitive against the Warriors. I just don't see how you can do that with, you know, a super max for Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan still signed. In theory, Blake Griffin will probably be gone. JJ Redick will probably be gone. So I don't see that. The Lakers, you know, they, they've got a bunch of young promising guys, but they're not far enough along. You know, maybe they swing another trade and swap Lonzo or Brandon Ingram for a third star, and maybe that happens. But if I'm LeBron, like, don't you want to stay east and join, like, Either Milwaukee or, yeah. or dare I say, Philadelphia with your boy Ben Simmons? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, definitely staying When I was thinking of LeBron and the Clippers, I was just thinking of Team Banana Boat getting together. You know, <laughs> CP3 Max, D-Wade could come for the minimum. Maybe Melo gets bought out, and then they could just join up and definitely not be good enough to beat the Warriors anyways because Melo's, <laughs> Melo and Wade are not good anymore. Right. So basically, remain the Clippers. Yeah, right. be good but not good enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. I, I, well, look, let, let's be honest. We we've all talked about Team Banana Boat. Like yeah. we want to see it at some point. Yeah, it would be fun, especially. And I've I've aired this out before, especially if it was the final season for all of them. Mm-hmm. Like that would be the most epic farewell tour of all time. Like that you gather on the same team, the four of them. And they go out together, all of them. A blaze of glory. And lose in the <laughs> yep. second round. Right. And lose in the second round. Yeah, That's the only time I want to see it happen, though. Because I don't want to waste... I mean, I know LeBron is on the tail end of his prime, but I don't want to waste a year of LeBron James supernova on a team that's probably not even getting out of the... What, like, maybe they make it to the Western Conference Finals, if that? Yeah. Like, well, it's not happening this year. Wade is going to pick up his option in Chicago. It's twenty-four million, dude. He's not going to get anywhere near that in the open market. So you've got to wait to at least yeah, next summer. He'll get all he'll get all this money this year, and then he'll take the min- minimum next year with the Clippers with LeBron. <laughs> yep, it's all happening. Oh boy! All right, uh, <laughs> I think that's a perfect place for us to wrap up. I will, Sarah. Shout out to your Spurs though, because Pau Gasol and David Lee have declined their player options. So. CP3 on the way. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's like our version of trading for the number one pick, right? It's <laughs> oh, like yeah. oh, somebody <laughs> declined their player option to give us more flexibility. <laughs> so, so if if the Spurs actually get CP3, should Pau Gasol get a statue? Mm, I'm okay with that. But <laughs> yeah, honestly, honestly, I don't think they're well. Who knows? They're always like eight steps ahead of me, but. I don't think that's what they're angling for, but we shall see. Yeah, they, they would I, still have to, I think, trade Tony to to make room, depending on okay. what what CP3 is looking for, mm-hmm. which yeah might make basketball sense, but I don't see them doing it. Oh well, you know he's not gonna. Oh, I'm not gonna piss you off, Sarah. We've had a good episode. <laughs> I'm gonna annoy you this hey, time. Hey, and I also saw that uh, Woj said there's been positive indications that Monty might come back. So hey. two more. Oh, oh wow. wow. <laughs> It's yeah. Christmas for Spurs fans today. Jeez. It's a wonderful day. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be so wonderful when he goes scoreless for four straight games in the playoffs again. <laughs> You're such a hater. Didn't you just say you were going to be nice for it? That was no, he can't even turn. help himself. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm horrible. Sarah, I'm glad you mentioned the number one pick. Quick thoughts, Jason and Sarah. Morton and I already talked about this last episode, but I want to hear your quick thoughts about uh, that Markel Fultz trade. Sarah, we could start with you. I obviously love it for the Sixers. I don't fully understand it for the Celtics, but, you know, 
it's not terrible for them either. A lot of people have said it's win-win. They're angling still for the future. They're angling to have, you know, the best way to approach the draft is to have a lot of picks and see what hits. Um, that's fine. I also, you know, I would like it better if they end up getting somebody like Paul George or Jimmy Butler. I, I kind of doubt that's going to happen. But if it does, then I love it for both teams. That is that is a reasonable take. Yeah, I'm going to have something on B-Ball Breakdown later about Danny Ainge, hopefully, today. Uh, Jason, what about you? How did you feel? Do you, do you feel like it's like lopsided in either way, or do you think, it, as Sarah said, it could be a win-win eventually? I wouldn't say lopsided. I, I feel like I would trend towards it could be a win-win. I, would, I did have to get those Danny Ainge jokes off, though. I just I had to get those Danny Ainge jokes. For the Sixers, obviously it makes plenty of sense. Fultz works perfectly into that core. They, they've needed a lead guard forever. Obviously, Ben Simmons might be played a lot of point guard, but they needed a guard, shoot, play off the ball, play on the ball. Makes perfect sense. They liked him. They didn't give up. I mean, whatever. The pick they gave up, whatever. They liked their guy. They need to take a step forward. That's why you, why you get all these assets and you build, build it to make a trade like this. So you get it. For the, like you said, for the Celtics, Danny Ainge put on the spin of, oh, well, we, th- we think we're going to oh, get the, our, our guy at number three, like that we were going to get at number one. I mean, fine, sure, I guess. I mean, if you love Jason Tatum or Josh Jackson that much, I mean, it seems like they really do love Tatum a lot. So I'm not, mm-hmm. like, Tatum I'm sure is fine, but from what I've read and what I've seen, I'm like, not crazy about him being, like, a star player. I, I don't know, like, whatever. It seems like... Uh, Seems like in the mellow build, and I mean, not that mellow is bad, but like, like Prime Mellow is obviously really good, but not even on that level. So, like, I mean, I guess if they can flip it into George or Jimmy Butler, like, I mean, that's never high be good, but I definitely think the Sixers definitely a winner in that trade with the Celtics kind of eh, with possibility of maybe coming out ahead at some point. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that Ainge comment because he could just go screw himself. That I was. <laughs> I was on board with the with the Celtics side until he said that shit. Now I'm just like, shut up, Danny Ainge. You were not going to pick Jason Tatum at number one. Just shut up. You were going to take Markel Fultz and trade him. That's fine. You were not going to waste. If if they did that, uh, we were talking to Sam. If they, for whatever reason, took anyone aside from Fultz, Magic Johnson would trip over himself running to the podium yeah. to put Fultz's yeah. name at number two. So that that is just Danny Ainge being Danny Ainge, but... Brian Colangelo, I don't know if you guys saw yesterday, he was doing his press conference, and he was like, yeah, I have a lot of respect for the smart people in Boston. I'm talking about Mike Zarin, not Danny Ainge. So, <laughs> so Brian Colangelo, officially in the honeymoon phase for Philadelphia fans. Um, that is going to do it today for the NBA podcast. We will be back Friday, ideally, with a draft recap. Jason, want to thank you again for coming on uh, and just remind our listeners one more time where they can find you on Twitter, uh, where they can find your work, and shout out your draft live show that you guys are doing Thursday. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. Find work at FanRagSports.com, FanRagNBA, Twitter is FanRagSports, and then FanRagNBA. Uh, you can also find some of my work on bloggable.com. That's just Chicago Bulls stuff, or sometimes I rant about how crappy the Bulls are. And then, yeah, tomorrow night with the draft, uh, me and Zach Harper, our lead NBA writer at FanRag Sports, we will be doing a live stream type deal, just analyzing draft picks, analyzing any trades that happened. That I'm not totally sure how it's going to be set up exactly. I just know that we're going to be on live doing giving analysis, so that should be a lot of fun. 
and looking forward to it. Like I said, I think it's for, based on what we the rumors we've been seeing the, this whole week. Like it's it could have the potential to get pretty crazy. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be a wild night. So tune into that if you want to see Jay's live reaction to when the Bulls trade Jimmy Butler for a sack of peanuts. Until uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, or little local for oh, oh lord, you guys Why? need to brace yourself. It's happening, Julie Loco for the number 16 pick. Happening, book it. Woof. Book it. Yeah. Um, okay, until next time, reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our handles, so give us a follow as well. Check us out on iTunes. We'd love it if you subscribe, downloaded, left some reviews. Any feedback would be great. And again, we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporic, and I was joined by Morton Jensen, Sarah Chalea, and Jason Pat. Have a good one, you three. Take it easy. You too, Brian. Take care. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen, and I'm great, thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel, act on it, and make them feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com slash xm. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.